invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts chapter number 10, Acts chapter number 10, and I'd like to begin this morning's message by reading just one verse of scripture, but would encourage you to hold your place or make a marker there in Acts chapter number 10 as we'll be coming back quite a bit throughout the morning time. But I want to read for you verse number 34. Acts chapter number 10 and verse number 34, the Word of God says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll think on these things this morning as God speaks to us through His Word. Heavenly Father, we are rejoicing in our heart for all that you have done throughout this week, not just in the services, but through the times of fellowship, our personal times with you. And it is good to know that you're working and moving in the hearts of your people and that you are still calling those that need a Savior to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning that this would be the most important moment of our day. We live such busy lives and we have so many activities going on that it's very easy in moments like this to have our minds drift elsewhere. But Father, I pray that today that your truth would have preeminence in our heart and our life. That Lord, that you would receive the glory from the decisions that we make. And I pray that through it all, that it would accomplish your plan and glorify your name. And this I do pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen. Out of all the apostles, Peter was the most outspoken of them all. He was a man that liked making bold declarations. He would always be on the forefront there saying, Lord, I'll do this, Lord, I'll be that, Lord, I'll go here. And although he is very good at making bold declarations, he wasn't very good at keeping them. I think we all recall one of the greatest failures in Peter's life, and that was on the night that the Lord was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Judas and all of the officials had come there to arrest him, and moments before that, as Jesus is preparing his disciples, he said, men, very soon I'm going to be handed over, led away, and ultimately crucified. And it was Peter there who stood up and said, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and death. What a statement he made. Now, I do not doubt his motives. I don't doubt his heart in any way, but we do know the end result as though, although he made a bold statement, he didn't follow through on what he said he would do. And the life of Peter is a very interesting life to study. Because it goes in many different sections. We have the gospel accounts, and in the gospel accounts, we see a lot of failure in Peter's life, don't we? We read of how he failed in his faith. There as the storm was raging and Jesus walked out on the water to meet them, it was Peter who said, Lord, let me also come out to be with you. We don't know how many steps he took, but eventually he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. A picture of what happens when we stop exercising faith in the Word of God. Later on, we see that he had a failure in his focus in life. Jesus had made it very clear that if you want to be the greatest, then you would be a servant of all. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on others. Serve others. It's not about you, Peter. But yet it was Peter who kind of got the conversation going on who is the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to sit by Jesus in his throne? Who's the greatest preacher? Who's the greatest apostle? And he received the rebuke of the Lord, didn't he? Because his focus was all wrong. We also see the failure in friendship. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, in that moment where Jesus needed those disciples to be around him and encourage him, in that moment where he agonized over what he would go through. There was a reason he invited him. He said, men, I want you to come and pray with me. But yet Peter and many of the others fell asleep, didn't they? 
They could not even watch with the Lord for one hour and be that friend in that time of need. Peter was also a failure in the fact that he didn't follow through with the things that God had commanded him to do. After Jesus had been crucified and then three days later rose from the dead, he showed himself to the apostles on a number of occasions, but there on the Sea of Galilee, Peter said, I go a-fishing. Going to go back to my old ways, my old life. And Jesus had to come and call from the seashore and say, Peter, what are you doing? And get his focus and his perspective right on the calling of God in his life. All throughout the Gospels, we see Peter failing time and time again. But in the book of Acts, Peter is a different man, isn't he? Now, there's two things that brought about this difference in his life. Number one, I believe that he learned from his mistakes. That is a wonderful teacher in our life. We understand we all are going to make bad choices. We're all going to fail. We're not going to do everything perfectly. But I think the greatest tragedy is this, is that when we fail, we don't learn from our failure. Many people pick themselves up and then they go and they fall again. They do the exact same thing. But this is one of the ways we become wise is we learn from our failure and we say, I don't want to do that again. I'm going to figure out the right way to do it. I believe Peter learned a lot from his failures. But more importantly, he allowed Jesus Christ to restore him. I think we all are mindful of that time after the Lord called him off that ship on the Sea of Galilee. The Lord had started a little campfire there, cooking some fish and bread, and he <coughs> called the men together and fellowshiped with them. But afterwards, he pulled Peter aside, and he said these words, Peter, lovest thou me? Without hesitation, Peter said, Lord, I love you. Then feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. And I'm often surprised that the third time the Lord said that, it tells us that Peter was grieved in his spirit. Lord, why do you keep asking me this? Why is it that you're pressing me on this matter? I've already told you I love you. Lord, you see my heart. You know that I love you. Why is it that you keep asking that? Well, what Jesus was doing is restoring this man to a place where he could be used. See, in this congregation this morning, I'm not going to question or even doubt your love for the Lord. In fact, there is evidence that you love the Lord Jesus Christ today because instead of going out hiking or fishing or hunting or any of the other things you could have done, you have chosen to be in God's house and to hear about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, your love may be small, it may be great, but it doesn't matter. I'm sure that if we were to ask, do you love Jesus today, you could raise your hand and say, yes, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. But even though you have a love for Him, it doesn't mean that you're being used for Him. And when we are usable, it is because the Lord has restored us to a place of profitability. When we come to the book of Acts, what do we find Peter as? Yes, a different man. In chapter number 1, he takes over as the pastor there in the church of Jerusalem. In chapter number 2, he stands up boldly as a preacher on the day of Pentecost and preaches Christ crucified. In chapter number 3, he goes to the temple and the Bible makes note that he prays for one hour. In chapter number 4, he reveals that he is a nobody and Jesus is the one that to, is to receive the glory. In chapter number 5, he stands boldly before the leaders and says, I am not going to disobey the command of God. We will obey God rather than men. A complete transformation. And when you just take those five chapters of Acts and compare it to who Peter was in the gospel, it is night and day, isn't it? This man had been radically transformed. But God wasn't done transforming him. Here's the truth I want all of us to know this morning, is that God's work is not done in you. He may have brought you a long way. 
There may be a whole lot of change that has taken place that you can see in your life and glorify God in. But until the day that you stand before your Savior, He is not going to stop working on you. He has not said, job done, job completed. There are still things that are necessary to be transformed and conformed into the image of our Savior. And I want you to understand that today, doesn't matter where you are, how long you've been saved, how much time you've spent in church, what ministries you've done, what things you've accomplished, God still wants to work in you. And he showed that to Peter here in Acts 10. He came a long way as a Christian. but There's still a major problem in his life that was holding him back from doing greater things. And we see that in his statement here in verse 34, something that Peter perceived after God had worked in his life. And I love his way of putting it. He says, of a truth. I know what God is doing in my life is his work. I know what he's teaching me and showing me is true. And what did he perceive? He said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. It reveals what Peter needed changed in his life. See, although Peter had come a long way, he had a problem with prejudice. Peter did not like the Gentile people. He didn't like their culture. He didn't like their language. He didn't like their way of life. He didn't like their food. Peter was all Jewish, and anything Gentile just kind of a was appalling to him, or he said, that's not the way I like things to be done. And so Peter was still of this mindset that I don't want to be around Gentile people. I don't want to engage them. They're not my ministry. The Jews are my ministry. And what was going on in Peter's heart was the complete opposite of God's will and his perfect plan. See, the Bible declares God's perfect plan. John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. Aren't you glad for that? He didn't say that God just loved the Jews or God just loved this people group. For God so loved the world. Later on it says that God's desire is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Later on he said he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Peter did not fully believe that in his heart, or maybe more specifically, he was not fully acting upon that in his ministry. And so God had to come and change him. Now first he had to change his thinking. He had to change the way that Peter thought, and for him to do that, he had to challenge him on the way that he was thinking. Many times that's a problem that we face in our own life is we don't like to be challenged. We don't like to have questions posed to us that demand an answer of what we really believe. We just want everything to go the way that it's always been going and we're satisfied with that. But for change to take place in our life, God is going to have to challenge us in order to change us. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to understand that we need some changing in our life. All of us. None of us have arrived. None of us are where God wants us to be. And yet so often we're boasting on this. Well, I'm a good Christian. I'm faithful to the Lord. I do this. I do that. And what we're talking about is what we have been for the last five to ten years. And I want you to understand that that is not a good thing. Yes, God called us to be steadfast and unmovable, but He said that I want you to be steadfast and unmovable, but also always abounding, producing fruit, doing something for God. And as Baptists, we have almost gotten this, this mindset that I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to stand right here. You're not going to move me. And many times what has happened is that we are standing in things that are good and right, but we're not doing anything for God. We have the right doctrine, the right theology, the right standards, the right music, 
We have everything right down the line. We have a beautiful statement of faith and what we believe and we're not going to be moved and that's why we're not seeing the fruit that God desires. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, Herein is my Father glorified when you bear much fruit. That is what God desires. And yet, like Peter, we have this idea, well, Lord, we're just, we can't change. Lord, that's not right for us to do. I'm not moving. I'm not shifting. But what God did in Peter's life, he desires to do in our life. And that is, he wants to transform us and change us so that we can be used for him. I want to ask you this morning, do you see yourself as a person that will change when confronted with the truth of God's word? Do you see yourself as a person that is submissive to God? That you say, well, Lord, I know your word is true, and I know that what you have here is for me. But when you hear something that goes against the way you think, or the way that you've been brought up, or the way that you're familiar, are you one that embraces and says, thank you, Lord, this is what I needed. This is going to bring much fruit. This is going to grow me. This is going to excite me in my Christian life. Or do you look at that and say, well, that can't be true, because this is the way we've always done it. See, for many of us, we hold more to our Baptist traditions and doctrines than we actually do to the Word of God. Amen? And although we say we're people of the book and we're following the Spirit's leadership, so oftentimes we hinder what God wants us to do because we're not submitted to real change in our life. And so this morning I want to speak to you about how we change, and the process that God will often take us through so that we can be used to do greater things for Him. I want to give you three things very quickly this morning from our text. The first thing that if you're going to be usable for the Lord and be changed to be usable, you're going to have to be open to new experiences in your Christian life. In verse number 10, of this chapter, the Bible tells us that while Peter was praying, now prayer is a good discipline and prayer is a good behavior of a child of God. So Peter is doing what he should have been doing. But as he was praying, the Bible says that he became very hungry. And in this state of prayer and in this state of hunger, God gave him a vision. Look at verse 11. The Bible says that Peter saw heaven open. And a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great knit, or sheet knit at the four corners, and let down to the earth. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. Here's a new experience that Peter had. Now we know it's from the Lord. And we know it was directed to Peter. Because verse 13 is very clear. Peter, I want you to arise, kill, and eat. Now what do you think Peter's response was? Look at verse 14. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. I'm not going to do what you've told me to do. Now, he had a reason for that. He wasn't just a flat-out rebel. He came to the Lord and he said, Lord, I cannot do this, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Lord, I've never done this. This is something that I've never been a part of, and I'm not going to start right now. Listen, brethren, if God is going to use you in the way that He wants you to be used, then you better be willing to try some new things. And I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about new experiences and new opportunities and new ministries and new things that, that 
break us out of what we're used to. See, we become such creatures of habit. We always want to stay with what is comfortable and what is common to us and, and what we're skilled at. I'm, I'm comfortable here doing this ministry. I've been doing this for so long. It almost is second nature to me. I know how to do this. But have you ever thought that maybe God wants you to do something new in your life? You ever thought that maybe God wants to do something different in your family? That maybe God is saying it's time that things here at Plaque Road Baptist Church change? But what is often our first response is this, Lord, not so. Lord, we've been doing this for so long, and Lord, this is our program, and, and this is what we're wanting to accomplish, and we're taking it out of God's hand, and we're putting it in our hand, and we say in a very respectful way, not so, Lord. I'm not going to do that. Personally, in my life, there have been times where the Lord has brought down something to me. He said, are you going to do it or not? And everything within me says, Lord, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. That's hard for me. That, that's going to shake up our family. That's going to change the dynamics. Or even this, I'll try to be noble. Well, Lord, if you want me to do this, who's going to fill my spot over here? All I can say to you this morning is this. Stop hindering God. Stop hindering God. God had to break Peter out of that old mindset. See, he was still living in the past. During the gospel times where Christ was there, he said, I want you to go to the house of Israel. No, there's not to be a focus on the Gentiles. No, there's not to be a focus on the Samaritans. He said, I want you to go to the house of Israel. And Peter was still living in the past. This is how ministry is done. He was also stuck under that old covenant. And in many ways, he was caught up in the tradition of Judaism. And God had to break him out of that. And I'll say this morning, until you're willing to leave your comfort zone. I'm not saying that we leave the truth of God's word. I'm not saying that we abandon the principles of this book and adapt the new modern ways of evangelism or worship or church. But what I am saying is this, is that there are some opinions and ideas and, and mindsets that we have developed over the years that we have to be willing to set aside and say, God, give me a clear vision of what you want me to do. When my family and I went to Fiji, one of the things that we had to immediately throw out the door is this, is that Fiji is not America, and we're not trying to make them American Christians. We're trying to make them servants of Almighty God. And they did some things that were a little different. Can you imagine, as I shared the other night, someone coming up here for a solo and the entire church coming up? Probably someone would get them aside and say, that's against our protocol. That's not how we do things around here. You know, I had to sit back inside me. I say, wait a minute, that's not how we do things. But I had to allow God to get the preeminence. I had to allow God to work and move. And I'll tell you, it did a great work in people's lives. So often we're bound by our old ways. We're bound by our comfort zones. But brethren, I'll tell you, and I'll encourage you in this, when you allow God to show you how He wants it to be done, you'll discover that God has a plan that is far greater and much bigger than you. God may want you to reach a people group that no one else is reaching. God may want you to minister to people that no one else can minister to. And I believe this with all my heart. Every one of us has great potential until we say, not so, Lord. No matter who you are today, and we all have a list of reasons why we can't, but every one of you has great potential in the Lord. The only thing that's stopping it is you. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. I think this is something that we need to have before us to keep our motivation level up, our excitement up. And that is until 
I'm willing to do something that I've never done before. I'll never see God do something that I've never seen before. Oh, we've seen God do great things. We've read of God doing great things. But how many of you this morning would say this? I'm getting a little bored with my Christian life. I'm, I'm just tired of going through the motions. It's the same old thing. I love the Lord and I want to serve the Lord. But I sure would love to see something exciting happen in my life, in my family, in my church, in my ministry. And I'll tell you, you're never going to see that if you're not open to new experiences. You have to let God lead you to a place that you've never been before. But secondly, I want you to notice this, is we have to be open to necessary exposure. Not only did God instruct Peter to eat something new, but later on we read that he sent three men to Peter's house to ask him to evangelize somebody new. See, around the same time that Peter was having this dream, if you go back to verses 1 through 6, we read about a man by the name of Cornelius. And Cornelius was also having a dream. The Bible says there was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. He saw a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. For he lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Two visions were going on in two separate places. One with the preacher of God and the other with a man who was seeking to know God. And I find this interesting because we've talked about divine appointments. We've talked about how God works and moves and puts us in places where we need to be at the right time. And this is what God is orchestrating here. These men would have never met unless God arranged it. So how do you know that? Well, I know it this way. Cornelius was a Gentile, and Peter had no interest in reaching Gentile people. But yet at the same time, Cornelius was crying out and saying, God, give me the truth. Give me the answer. God was working on Peter's heart and saying, Peter, this prejudice that you have against the Gentile people needs to end now. And Peter is starting to realize something that God was teaching him. But you know, God doesn't just teach us word, the word. He challenges us with the word. You know, there are many times in this place you've heard messages on being a, a soul winner, being an, uh, uh, one that reaches out in your community. And how we can have all the examples and all the scriptures that come and say, share Christ with your neighbor and share Christ with that stranger and share Christ with that person at the restaurant. And I believe this, that every time we hear that preaching, when we leave those doors, God has somebody prepared for us. But if we're not listening to God and obedient to God, how many times do we walk by those Corneliuses? that are crying out, saying, God, I will do anything and everything. I just need to know you. Did you notice there he says, your prayers and your alms, your good works, they've come up not as the way of salvation, but as a memorial to me that you're a man that is seeking after truth. And he said, I've heard your prayers, and there's a man I'm working on today. He'll be there shortly. Listen. Sometimes we need to be kicked out of our comfort zones 
and exposed to people that are outside our circle and outside our friends. I know how churches can get, and it's a great thing. I'm not diminishing it, but we can become so tight-knit and so close and loving one another that we forget the world around us. And when people walk in our doors, we're, we're so close with one another that we, we're not able to branch out, we're not able to minister, we're not able to care for them and realize that there's a reason that they walked into this building, that there's a need in their heart, they're seeking something. But we can have this same prejudice, well, they don't look like us and they don't talk like us and they don't act like us and they don't smell right or, or look right and we have all these things that keep us away. And that's how Peter was, but God was about to radically change his world. And I see how God has done that many times in my life. Brethren, I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up in church from day one. But I'll tell you, God did not start working in me and using me in greater ways by sitting under a sermon or a lesson. He used it. In fact, I can remember the time where God started working me in a different way. I learned how to love people and minister to people in a padded room in a jail cell. Now, I wasn't there because I was arrested. A man in our church came and said, we need somebody to go and preach the gospel in the jail. I said, okay, I'll give it a try. These are some rough guys. They use foul language. They had some bad behaviors. But it was then and there, these men that were complete opposites to what I knew, that I realized what it took to really love people and minister to them. Burdens are not gotten through messages, they're received through ministry. And we're going to have to step out one of these days and do something that we've never done before. It's a new experience. Lord, I've never eaten that food. Lord, I've never reached those people. Lord, I've never gone to that place. Then do it. And you may find that in those moments that God is going to burden you. And once that burden begins to burn within your heart, God will enable you and God will give you that love and God will give you that desire. And when you have that love and that desire for people, there's something that triggers within you. God, help me. I have to reach them. I have to get through to them. I have to supply what they're crying out for. And that's when you see God do the miraculous. You see God do things that you never thought he could do and do it through you. You know, when Peter started reaching the Gentiles, or actually for him to begin... Note here, first of all, you have to be exposed to a Gentile. And God made that happen. You look here at verse number 19, I love how God does it. And don't be surprised if God just does something in your life that you're not really ready for, but you need it. And so Peter here, he's thinking, what's God trying to teach me? And then the Bible says in verse 19, while Peter thought on the vision... There he is at the altar call. Well, I'm thinking about what God just said to me. What am I going to do with this? The Bible says, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. You know, there's a time and place to talk to the Lord and discern the Lord's will. But I'll tell you this, God moves a lot quicker than we want to move. And if you're going to come and say, well, preacher, after we're all done here, I may take a little bit of time and pray and say, Lord, do you really want me to reach my neighbor? Do you really want me to, to reach my coworker? You know what? You might as well stop with that prayer. He wants you to. And what you ought to come and say is this, Lord, when that opportunity opens, when I see that door swing open, I'm going to jump on it immediately. And here Peter's trying to discern, well, God, what are you doing here? And God said, I'll send you what I want you to do. As you work your way down through that passage, 
I want you to think about this. Remember, this is a man that did not interact with Gentile people. In verse 23, Peter had the Gentiles come into his home and spend the night. At the end of verse 23, he walked out of the Jewish city of Joppa with Gentile men. He didn't say, you walk ahead, I'll walk behind. He walked side by side with them. In verse 24, Peter entered a Gentile home. And guess what? Peter was very uncomfortable with it all. Look down verse 28. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is unlawful, it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company, or to come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me. Isn't that a powerful statement? Everything within me says this is wrong, but God has showed me what is right. I love Peter's attitude here. He said, I'm uncomfortable with this, but God's will supersedes my feelings and my opinions. Would to God that we would get over our feelings. Would to God that we would change our opinions. Would to God that we would stop trying to do what we want and just submit to what God has called us to do. More and more I find this in churches all across our land is that we have people in our churches that say, I love the Lord and I want to serve the Lord. But when it comes down to doing what God wants us to do, we're more like those men at the end of Luke 9. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you want us to go. But first, let me go take care of mom and dad. First, let me go do this. First, let me go do that. And Jesus says, no, when I call, now is the time to respond. And we often use our feelings, opinions, and wants, and our excuses as a way to just try to delay it. And I hope this doesn't come across mean, but I think for some Christians it's this, they're just hoping that somebody else will do it for them. It doesn't cost much to put the faith promise in the offering plate, but it will cost you all to go. And we become so good at saying, well, praise God, I'm glad he's going. I'm glad that family's going. Man, I'm so excited about that individual. But do you understand that God wants all of us to come to that place where we say, Lord, wherever you place me, use me. If you want real spiritual change, you want real fruit, then you're going to have to be exposed to people that are different than you. You're going to have to learn how to minister to people that are not easy to minister to. Because outside these walls, they act different, they think different, they talk different. And you're going to have to learn to overcome that to reach them. I love Paul's attitude. Why don't you quickly turn to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Paul, the Apostle Paul, probably had the greatest attitude out of all the men that we see in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 19, he said, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. 
I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. That's the attitude we're to have. God, whoever you've called me to reach, not my will, but I'll do your will. If we're going to see real change in our life and real fruit, we're going to have to be open to new experiences. We're going to have to be open to some necessary exposure to the people that we want to reach. But then lastly this morning, you better be prepared to give never-ending explanations as to what God is doing in your life. See, word had gotten out that Peter was hanging out with the Gentiles. And many of his buddies and preacher friends came to him in Jerusalem and said, Peter, what are you doing? Go to chapter 11 of Acts. Let's actually listen to what they said. In verse number 3, they came to him and said, Thou winnest in to, to men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. And the Bible says that they contended with him. Peter, why are you doing this? This is not what we do. This is not how we act. That's not what our churches pursue. That's not what our Bible college taught. There's always going to be somebody that's going to come around and tell you that you're not doing it the right way. That you're not doing it God's way. But I'll tell you, when God does a transforming work in your life, one of the things you have to understand is that people around you won't understand. So many times in my life and ministry as God has clearly led me. There are others that have come and warned me, you shouldn't do that. That's going to end in tragedy. That's not going to work. And they'll contend with you. But I've come to realize why people contend with you. They're afraid of change. They don't want people that are excited doing something for God around them. It makes them look bad. It brings a conviction. And as a church body, that's very easy to do. Man, if I get excited for the Lord and I start doing things that have never been done before, people here at the church are going to try to rein me in and say, you need to settle down. But I believe this with all my heart. We need Christians who are open to change so that God can change the wrong attitudes in the Christians around us. And I praise God that Peter did not succumb to this peer pressure. He didn't come and say, well, I apologize. I know I was out of line. I should never have gone to that Gentile. I should never have done that. But in fact, listen to what he did say. In verse number 4 of chapter 11, But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying. He said, first of all, I was there talking to the Lord about what I should do, and God showed me very clearly that I'm to be reaching the Gentile people. And as I was praying, even before I was done praying, there was a knock at the door, and when I opened it, there were three Gentile men. And then I went to their house, and here's what happened. God saved a Gentile man. You know what he also went on to say? In verse number 9, he said, Men, I was wrong in my old way of thinking. What God hath cleansed, that call now thou common. That's where change is going to begin when we're able to humble ourselves and say, I haven't been doing things the right way, but praise God for His Word that has shown me the right way. In verse number 10, he made it very clear, I'm changed. I have a different perspective. In verse number 15, he said, I was used by God. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. They got saved the same way that we got saved. God worked in their heart the same way He worked in our heart. 
And then I think this is the greatest. Verse number 17. Peter said this, I'm glad that God transformed me. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as He did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When you do it God's way, it doesn't matter what other people say. I'm glad I obeyed. Oh, let the naysayers come in. Let the critics come in. And I'll tell you, they'll always be there. I, I, we barely got back in the U United States from Fiji, and I was sharing what God had done, and I was rebuked by another preacher. You know what? I'm glad God changed me. I'm glad that I said, God, I want to do it. And I want to do it your way. And I close my ears to all the voices. And I listen to him. And I can say this, who am I to stand in God's way? Who am I to have an opinion on how it should be done? Who am I to come around and say, this is my feeling, this is my want? After all, Jesus died for my sins, and I'm a debtor to him, and I'm a debtor to all men. Churches are filled with people who won't change. That all it takes is for one, and true revival can break out. Look at verse 18. The Bible says, And when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. God's given me a new burden. It may just be for a short time of ministry. But I'm so saddened by how many churches are indifferent to the people of this world. How they're so indifferent to the people in their own communities. And yet I believe that God is wanting to do something so great in these troubling days in which we live. And we're so afraid to step out and do it differently. This church here, according to verse 20, started a Gentile ministry. A Jewish church said, we're going to start reaching them. In verse 25, the church in Jerusalem sent out a preacher to go find a preacher who God had called to reach the Gentile nations. Barnabas went down the road and said, i got to get that man called Paul. When we submit, God supplies it all. Brethren, I'll finish with this. Don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid to change up the ministries. Don't be afraid to change up the evangelism. I hope you understand I'm not saying we abandon this book. But what I am saying is this, is maybe we need to put it aside, our ideas, our opinions, our thoughts. And just get on our knees and say, God, show us what we're to do. And you may not even be done praying and God will have people knocking at your door. I'm the one. And then from then on out, it's just going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. You're just hanging on and watching God do what he does best.
changing lives. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. In the Gospels, when Peter opened his mouth, he said great things, but he never followed through with them. But as a man that was transformed by the Lord, when he opened his mouth, there was a lot more humility, but there was also a lot more commitment. He said, of a truth, I perceive. I'm starting to figure out what God's actually wanting me to do. And that is God is no respecter of persons. I see it, and now I'll do it. We often put a lot of credit, and no doubt credit should be given to the Apostle Paul for reaching the Gentile nation. But we also have to see that it was through God's working in Peter's heart that that movement really got going. And maybe today God just wants to work in your heart to help change the hearts of others that are hesitant standing on the edge and unwilling to take that step of faith. We all have potential until we say, not so, Lord. Father in heaven, I pray that your word has spoken to hearts this morning. I hope that I've communicated the things that will do your work and accomplish your truths. And now, Lord, it's left to them and you. We know your commands. We know your calling. It's just a matter of whether we will repent and change our mindset and adopt the way that you would have us to think and to behave. Lord, as this church seeks your direction, pray that not one member of this church would stand in your perfect will, stand in the way of your perfect will. But Lord, they would understand that although you may call them to things that would make them uncomfortable or feel out of place, you are the God that will supply our every need. So we give you the glory for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.